And all of that time that you're spending not writing, uh, not creating, you're thinking about it. You're trying to to consciously plan it out. I've been reading uh, Ethan Cross's book, Chatter. One of the things he talks about is coming unlinked. And he was talking about, you know, like a picture that's uh, thrown a million pitches and da 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 and then suddenly one goes wrong and then he's trying to figure out the mechanics and going through each step and then it gets more wrong because he's focusing on the mechanics instead of just letting the the thing go doing it and so that happens to us a lot too we become unlinked from our brilliance this is show your business who's boss Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Lee Rowley is an odd duck. On one hand, he's one of the most psychophantically adored copywriters in the English-speaking world, revered for creating copy that subtly lingers in a buyer's mind space until they have to take action. On another, he's a prolific spouter of quasi-zen poppycock who knows all too well the sound of one hand clapping. <laughs> and on a third hand, consider it an evolutionary spandrel, he's just a salty middle-aged sideshow clown keeping the internet awash in guilty giggles. He'll teach you who your daddy is, that's for sure. And you'll probably be a better marketer, too. <laughs> that's the best intro I've gotten. Impeccably said. Did, was it? I didn't miss anything? No. I don't say psychophantically. Sycophantically? Hmm? <laughs> Sycophantically. Sycophantically, yes. <laughs> it's not a word that comes up in, in common parlance, so, you know, I can <laughs> understand. <laughs> Sometimes I have to look up pronunciations myself just to make sure, but... <laughs> I love it. What I love even more about it is that you are this badass copywriter, and that's amazing copy. And so you walk your walk. And that's why we're here talking today. Well, wonderful. And thank you so much for inviting me to the show. Uh, anything that you do, I definitely want to be a part of because, you know, I've, I've been impressed with with how you how you present yourself online since I met you. And so it's just really cool to be here talking to you today. Yeah, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Because Lee, I mean, I feel like I know you so well because of your amazing content, huh. <laughs> right? And isn't that amazing, right? Like we both create so much content and we see each other's content. So it's like we're <laughs> friends through content. Absolutely. For for me, the content is, you know, it, it's just a vehicle, you know, one, to show my copywriting skills so that I don't have to talk about copywriting, which nobody really cares about. What they care about is the result that it creates. So I, I try to demonstrate what I do through the copy that I create. But I am very open about a lot of things in my life because I know the crippling self-doubt that comes with entrepreneurship. I know all of the screwed up little things that your mind will tell you to sabotage your success every dang on step of the way. And somewhere along the line, I figured I realized that it wasn't just me. And that, it, that when I talked about my struggles and the things that I had been through and continue to, to grapple with, I hear from people who are saying, gosh, I thought it was just me. I feel a little bit better now. I feel a little bit stronger now because I know that I'm not just crazy that this is stuff that happens to every entrepreneur <laughs> as they're going through the journey. No kidding. I, I, 
I've heard, you know, Beyonce has crippling stage fright and self-doubt sometimes when she goes on stage. So Mm. we're all we're in good company (laughs) with some of the most famous people in the world. And and there's this myth that that disappears someday. We we all think that you like someday I'll have my stuff together and everything will just flow perfectly. That's not going to happen. You're always going to be dealing with that doubt. You're always going to be dealing with obstacles, some of which you, a lot of which you probably create yourself, and you just work alongside it. You cannot make that go away. So the sooner you accept that and just go, okay, I've succeeded despite what my brain has told me, what the voices uh, have told me isn't possible for this long, what makes tomorrow any different? That's so true. And you know, you said obstacles that we create ourselves. I think that in entrepreneurship, that's probably a big piece of it, right? Because you're constantly putting yourself in a position. If you're stretching or growing or trying something new, you're always going to be in a position trying something you haven't done before. And a lot of self-doubt can come from that, right? Like if you stay in a very small space doing exactly the same thing over and over again and never try to get better or, or, you know, stretch how you work or what you get, what you do in life and all of that, maybe the self-doubt would dissipate a little bit because you're so, you're so confident in the thing that you do. But as entrepreneurs, we're just constantly going after more and better and trying things. And we're always going to be in a position where we're not experts at everything we're doing. If, if that's how you operate. I don't know. That's my experience. Anyway, how long have you been doing this? What's your, tell us your 50,000 foot view story of how you ended up here as an entrepreneur copywriter. Well, let me see if I can give you the, the quick tour. Did not grow up wanting to be a copywriter. Oddly enough, as a, as a, as a tyke in uh, rural Ohio in the 1980s, I wasn't like, gee, I really want to be a copywriter when I grow up. I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I was like obsessed with like, you know, like the macho man, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan and the 24 inch pythons and the, you know, the whole thing. And that's what I wanted to do, man. And so I trained and trained and trained and, you know, I ended up with these 13-inch pythons, which just is not quite the same thing. Genetics just wasn't playing out. So I'm like, okay, I can't do that. I got an art degree because it was a convenient way to spend seven years not going into the real world. Yes, it did take me seven years to finish a four-year degree. What, what kind of art? That, that tends to be true for artists. And so it was, it, it was actually a Bachelor of Science, a BS, in comprehensive arts, whatever the heck that means. Basically means that I'm, I have the authority to paint and sculpt whatever the heck I want. With that degree, you can make almost as much as a good poet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I ended up in corporate America. Just like, you know, okay, I got to do something. I ended up being a compliance manager for an insurance company, which is every bit as exciting as it sounds. You, you know the 50-page the policy books you get in the in mail when you get your car insurance? You know, with all the exclusions and the thou shalt nots and all this stuff? Like, I used to have to write those things, you know? So eventually I got lazy and got fired. And... I had just freelance work on and off on, well, it's now Upwork, was Elance. And, you know, since my, uh, my corporate days met a rather abrupt end, I went, oh, I got to do something. I'll take this full time. And that's what I did. You know, I, at that time, I just jammed Elance for jobs and just made it work and took every crap project I could possibly think of. Anything anybody wanted to give me, I once wrote 
Uh, I did a project where I wrote product descriptions for 100 different kinds of specialty condoms. <laughs> there are only so many ways that you can say what you need to say. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. After after some years of this and some agency training, you know, I, I just really became disillusioned with this whole pushy direct mail style copy that's going on 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 the internet especially in facebook land uh, you know anybody who's ever built a funnel knows what those four thousand word sales pages look like with the calls to action and buttons every you know third paragraph and screen i don't get those i don't get those because they seem to also work <laughs> but i don't understand why or do they not work what do you think um, they must work they must work for somebody I've never tried them, so I don't know. I just... Well, yeah, that's the thing. It, it's They work for somebody, but I, I not something I get, and it's not my jam. Um, I once did a project for Russell Brunson that involved writing a 15,000-word sales page. I did, did it. Did tell you he wanted it to be 15,000 words? He was like, the longer, the better, Lee. Uh, well, the word he used at the beginning was long. And I was like, uh-huh. like 4,000 words? He was like, no, long. And I think I, what I gave him was 8,000. He was like, longer. <laughs> I was like, and, we, and we just went back and forth. And we got to about 15,000 words. Um, I can't dispute the guy's success. I'm not going to sit and read a 15,000-word sales page. But yeah, it's, you know... Somebody what was it selling? It or... How much was it selling? Was it like a five ninety five book, or was it a ten thousand dollar program? Oh well, well, this is into a into a subscription continuity program, gotcha. so at two ninety nine a month. Oh, yeah. Jeez, fifteen thousand words for two ninety nine? That doesn't sound. Well, it's you know, if you know your client, if you know your clientele, and you know that that's what they're into. Then, then that's what you do, and it works for him, and that's absolutely fantastic. It's just not where I wanted to go with it. It 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 felt disingenuous, incongruent, and you know, with the with the really pushy copy, I felt like I needed to go take a couple showers afterward. You know, use some bleach scrub. You know, I, it just it, it's terrible when you when you have to drink to do your work. There's a problem. You know, and, and, and that's just how it got, which is like, all right, I'm going to have to put down a couple shots of Jim uh, of before I do this, because there's otherwise I'm not going to be able to live with myself long enough to get through this sales page. I mean, that's no way to live. So I, I spent a few years just revamping how I approach things. I started doing what I call avatar immersion, which is go, going where the target audience is and listening to them talk to each other when they think you're not listening. Starting with the customer and working backwards, instead of this kind of hero mentality that dominates a lot of the direct mail cabals of, of I'm the hero and I'm so great and I've got this wonderful thing and all you have to do is follow me. You know, it's where I take the opposite approach and go, what's your life look like? What's this problem doing to you? Beyond just the obvious stuff, a quick example: I had a rheumatoid arthritis client. He was had a had a remedy, like a natural program for rheumatoid arthritis. And when we were looking at competitors, and they were all talking about joint pain and fatigue, joint pain and fatigue it was just the same stuff, and everything just looked the same. 
So I spent uh, a while in some Facebook, private Facebook groups, and what caught my eye was a, a lady who was talking about how she and her husband were fighting more. And the reason was she he was having to sleep on the couch because she was tossing and turning all night because of the pain and the inability to sleep, etc. So he can't sleep because she can't sleep. So he's sleeping on the couch. His back hurts. She hurts. Perfect breeding ground for a fight. And I'm nowhere in any of the competitors' copy that I see anything, you know, even close to this deep. And we didn't dwell on it. We just used one little paragraph where we massaged that kind of thing into the copy and was just like, hey, you know, maybe you've even had this experience. And the people reading that went, it's like this person wrote it just for me. When you can make that kind of connection, it's just shut up and take my money. I love that getting to that level of detail and specificity. I find even on somebody's homepage copy, it's like these days when there's so many competitors in any space, it's just so many small businesses. It's like the only way to be unique is to bring that detail and create those little moments of recognition. Right. sounds like that's what you're doing, but you're finding it through the avatar. What did you call it? The avatar immersion. immersion. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Which is your book. It is. It is. I actually have a new edition coming out in a few weeks, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Cool. Well, I love that process. So what do you, what do you write for them? What kind of stuff do you write? Like, what did you write for this rheumatoid arthritis client? Were you writing blog posts or social media posts? About this was actually uh, this was actually a sales page, and we did a short funnel leading up to that with some Facebook ads. I'm a big fan of advertorials; mine are usually longer than we did for that. So we what are advertorials? An advertorial is how do I say it's 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 an informative advertisement. Essentially, if you if you click on any of those, you know, one weird way to, you know, grow a third ear or whatever, you know, <laughs> type clickbait articles, most of those are advertorials. They they look like an informational piece, but they're meant to lead into, you know, hey, if you want to know more about this or if you would like to try this for yourself, then you know, we've got this product and that takes you onto a sales page. Those can work really, really well or they can completely blow up. It just depends on how obvious you are about the advertisement element of it. And to me, I'm thinking, be, I think being a little more obvious, you'd think that would converse would be true that you would need to be more subtle about it. But up front, even in an advertorial, I want people to get the sense that they're going to be asked to do something or buy something at the end of it because people don't like to feel tricked. And that's what happens so many times at the end of advertorials is they get to the end of it and it's, it just becomes a blatant advertisement and people go, oh my God, I just wasted my friggin' time. Uh, a certain number of people are going to go ahead and take action, but I, I find that being upfront about it improves conversion rates. Just simply because you know, you're not leaving them with that sense that you've tricked them. Right. Well, it feels more authentic and you're kind of building that trust up front. Mm -hmm. So you kind of just say that in the beginning. Exactly. That's a great tip. Gotcha. So you actually create the whole funnel. I mean, the, the copy for the entire funnel. That I love that because I find that including the ad copy, including like Facebook ad copy. Is that right? Correct. Mm -hmm. I love that because I've hired Facebook ad people over the years and, you know, they, quote, include the copy. And 
and it's like a line item. It's like the copy's the most important part. <laughs> this is are you guys amazing copywriters? Because right. if you're not, I don't really know how this is all gonna go down. I mean yeah. I've done so I've done Facebook ads over the years, not recently, but it was all about hitting that note with the copy. And I really don't understand how Facebook ad companies even do it when their copy is I, I I've hired a few and the the copy that they create is just this really templated. It's like, I've seen this a million times. This is not going to work. How is this going to work? And sure enough, I've never seen it work. Yeah, exactly. People can tell when they've, as you say, you've seen it a million times. And when that happens, you stop believing in it. It's like, I even have a a term for that. I call it deja vu. It means I've seen this bowl before, you know, whether or not it's true. They're like, Oh my gosh, I've seen this promise so many times, you know, it must be crap. You know, which is why so many ads fail to catch people's attention at all, because it just it's just more of the same. And I don't I don't understand why you would want to put out more of the same and look like your competitors. Right. Assimilation isn't going to make you rich, generally speaking. Not at all. Yes. As I go into as I start to think about going back into Facebook ads and just creating ads in general, it's like I have so many ideas. But it's like the idea is not enough, obviously. It's the execution, to your point. Like the the copy has to line up perfectly with that image. But if you line it up and you make it sing, that's the kind of advertising you have to go into or else it's just more of the same and nobody cares and you get lots of haters. <laughs> I'm going to need your help, Lee, because I have so many ideas, but it's like I could spend all day playing with I could spend all day, every day playing with these ideas to come up with the perfect because it's the creative part. And it's like, you know, hitting the creative part perfectly is a lot of work and it's a full time job. Yes, yeah, it absolutely you know, it absolutely is. The consistency has become so important too. we as a society are becoming ever increasingly skeptical when anything that smells wrong will send us packing. And that creates a lot of problems for people who do part of their own copy and then hire people for part of it and then use different copy, you know, whoever the lowest bidder is. I still see a lot of this. And then it becomes this very cobbled message that doesn't hit. And everywhere they're going, they're spreading a different message and creating a different perception. When those perceptions don't line up across channels, you're in trouble. So I'm a huge fan of like, having one copywriter do all a cop all of the copy for a brand insofar as that's possible i have gotten away from doing standalone sales pages and i do more entire funnel copy that reaches from the ads to the landing pages to the nurture email sequences to the to the sales page to the follow-ups and delivery emails and so forth all of that needs to have that same consistent voice in order to keep people buying from you and you know it's and referring people to you it's just so important not to get away from that yeah i and copy is really the lifeblood of any small business i mean i built my whole business on on writing copy and i was a terrible writer in the beginning i really (laughs) just had to learn oh yeah oh you should see the first blog post that i wrote that i luckily took off our website a few years later um just terrible just terrible it's practice and but it it is what built our whole business is all this content um 
because it's how you communicate. And I tell people, it's like, you want to be seen as an expert. You want to be seen as a you know, thought leader. It's like, well, what do you know? What are your thoughts? Like, we need to know. <laughs> how are we going to know that you're so, you're so brilliant and we should pay you lots of money if we don't know anything about what you think? Why? Because you tell us you're an expert. That's not enough. Plenty of people tell us they're an expert and they're not experts. So there's only one way to distinguish and it's by sharing what you think. But we have to see, we have to see why you're an expert somewhere. Right. Right. That's exactly. If you show it, other people will call you an expert. How do you deal with, I mean, you have a very distinct voice and obviously you're writing for other people. So how do you, how do you, especially if someone's voice, their natural voice is not that spunky. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that is a is an absolutely fantastic question well the, when i start a project i always spend at least a half an hour on zoom with them i do have a, a standard questionnaire that i use to help gather information but i always get on a call with them just so that i can see the emotion that i can see what they're talking about so that i can understand what drives them what moves them i can kind of get into their world and through the immersion, I get into their buyer's world. So it's for me, it's finding the intersection between the two. It can be kind of hard to get out of my head. Okay, no, it can be incredibly hard to get out of my own head. One of the exercises that works the absolute best for me is to sit down and journal from the perspective of the buyer who's going to be reading the copy. When you can do that and talk about their problems from their point of view then it becomes very easy to just flip that around and write to them in a way that's meaningful. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do sometimes. And so there, there are days where it takes just every fiber of my being to drag myself to that journal entry, but it's the catalyst for some really good copy. Very cool. So writing it in first person as the woman who's tossing and turning. Right. And her, angry in a fight with her husband. Right. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, that's really cool. And so do you, you must have, you must also be spicing up their language, but you've got to find that right mixture. Like I, I'm working with someone right now who's writing copy for somebody else mm-hmm. and she's like worried it's going to be too confident, you know, have a voice okay. at all. <laughs> you know, like she, she like doesn't want it to be anything good, basically. <laughs> and sure. uh, it's just interesting. He's like, okay, well, if we keep it in the vo- in your voice, then it will do what it's been doing, which is nothing. <laughs> right, right. Copywriters have to compromise. We we do have to compromise sometimes because you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's the client's business and the client's money, and you know, we can tell them what to do but we can't force them to do it you know at best it's just going to end up with them not using the copy and then that really hasn't benefited anybody i do understand that because i kind of have as it pertains to my own voice a you can have it when you pry it from my cold dead hands sort of attitude toward it so i can understand why some people might not want to give up parts of their own voice or, or say things that seem contrary uh, to how they want to be perceived. To me, it, it is about compromise. It's, it's, as you say, if you keep doing exactly what you're doing, you're going to get the same results you've been getting. I understand if this feels a little much, 
but let's talk about maybe meeting somewhere in here, you know, where we can amp up your copy, but you feel a little more comfortable with it. The follow-ups, I always, when I give the client a draft of a copy, I'll schedule a Zoom call. And so that way I have a little bit to read it. And then on the Zoom call, I just put a share screen and we just go line by line. And as we're doing that, I explain, here's why I said this. Here's why that we included this. Here's why we didn't include this. And that, for me, has cut down issues by about 75%. There are still things that they're going to say, hey, you know what, I just don't feel comfortable saying that. Or can we change it to something more like this? We change a paragraph or two, everybody's happy. You know, as long as it does its job. But I find that, for me, that that immediate feedback helps eliminate a lot of those problems. I love that. And you know, uh, you're just making me realize, because obviously I write all the copy for all my clients' websites. I don't really think of myself as a copywriter, but obviously I am, because <laughs> that's what I'm, yeah. that's, that's a big part of our client, of our, and I've had the same experience. I just explained, like, this is why every sentence is here. And they're like, oh, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, take it, because they don't, they're not copywriters. But the other thing I've, I've experienced, and you must experience this too, because your copy has such a strong voice, is that most people are hiring me in part because they like my voice. So they want a lot of that. They're not mm -hmm. hiring me to do something completely in contrast to the way that I speak. They're like, I want more of what you're saying. So, yes. right. You, you attract those people with your own copy and you're doing that push pull marketing where somebody who wants boring copies, not going to hire Lee. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. Exactly. They're, they're, and if they end up on a call, I will be more than happy to tell them that I'm not their Huckleberry. If they haven't already figured that out. Right. Right. That is, you're, you're right. That is, uh, part of my marketing is to be polarizing because I don't want to deal with the people who want boring copy in the first place. Right. If, if you're not a maverick, you're probably going to be frightened. I hope yes, anyway. Scare I, them. I, yes. yes, exactly. Go away. <laughs> scare them away. <laughs> and that's great copy. That's great copy, everyone listening, is polarizing copy. I love that. Are you... Uh, is that the majority of your marketing? You're super active on LinkedIn. You've got your show at 420 every day. <laughs> oh, yeah. We scrapped that. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, that was, did. I, I do. believe how much you were doing that. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it was fun. That was when COVID first really hit and the lockdown thing. We're all like, oh, gotcha. Lord, what do we do? So it was great. But after about three months, we're like, all right, we're like spending half a day on this and it's not making us any money or anything. So we got gotcha. to adjust. I do have uh, Lee After Dark. It's a podcast that I do once a week. And so that's kind of a replacement for that. It's nice. It's recorded. It's casual. No, no stress, you know, nothing living forever on the internet that I don't want to. So that's, yeah. So um, your, so your podcast and, mm -hmm. and then your content on, on LinkedIn, is that where you primarily hang out? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the process of building a YouTube presence, not something that I've ever really thought of too much because, you know, I'm a copywriter, I write. So, you know, I hadn't thought too much about using YouTube, but, you know, as I'm expanding what I'm doing a little beyond copywriting, I'm planning it's going to be a little more necessary to, to have that video visual presence. Why? What's the vision? What's the goal? 
Oh, well, mostly books. As I said, I do have another version of the Avatar Immersion Method, but I do write quite a bit in relation to that second arm, the, you know, the quasi-zen poppycock. And so I am concurrently writing a book called Don't Worry, You're Screwed. And that's kind of a, a, a Zen-Daoist approach to life through the salty filter of a old copywriter who just... You know, it's just me, you know, me spouting Alan Watts and pretending like I know what the universe is all about. So that's kind of the other side of what I do. It's still writing, but not necessarily copywriting. It's you as an author. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. The, the, Makes sense. the third thing that I'm doing here uh, is that you know, I've had people ask me time and time again, will you teach a copywriting course? Cool. I did that. It was a freaking disaster. I hated it. I, I mean, I, I love the people, but just the process and the Kajabi and the things going wrong and the, you know, people calling me at three in the morning because the video won't display right on their ancient iPad, whatever. You know, yeah, that's well, the kind yep. of stuff I do. So I like the heck with this. I'm doing a weekly newsletter, you know, it's seven bucks a month. If you want it, sign up. If you don't, go away. And it's written by through my moniker Old Scratch. As each week, we take a tour into the underworld of the human psyche to learn how to persuade better through our copy. So that I don't know that I'll be going too much farther from that. I don't imagine I'll be becoming a TikTok star or anything like that. But stranger things have happened, right? You're creative through and through. You got projects. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Book one of the more interesting ideas. things is I'm finally building a team of people to wrangle me so that I can actually accomplish some of these projects. Because, you know, you know how it is to be creative. You've got a million ideas that are floating around in space waiting for their turn. And you're shoving more ideas in front of them because they sound cooler right now. And you don't have anybody to help you implement that. So I've really stepped back this year and I'm putting together a team of people who are a little more organized than I am to help me push some of these things out because they don't do any good if they're just sitting inside my head. That's great. Like what kind of, what kind of people are you hiring? Well, I, for the first time ever, I have a VA, mm. you know, an actual VA Amazing. who just takes care of my stuff in Asana. I know there's a million project management software platforms out there, but Asana is simple and I'm old and I like simple. Don't even have one with my VA. So really? you're more, yep. <laughs> so you're more uh, advanced than I am. Wonderful. Wonderful. My... And so we have uh, a researcher coming on. And so that's a huge thing. Just doing like keyword research, article research, like being who I am requires putting out an exhaustive amount of content. And that means staying inspired. Anybody who says that you don't have to be inspired is lying to you because you need to be constantly reading and listening to podcasts and audiobooks and anything that you can get your hands on because your brilliance is built on other people's brilliance. It's a, no way about it. It just doesn't all come from us. So well so, said. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. being able to have somebody help with that is going to be a huge thing too. Very cool. I love that. I agree. You have to be inspired. And actually all of my best content was written in 10 minutes. Now it actually took me hours and hours and hours of not doing anything, but <laughs> <laughs> and yes. trying but when you get that spark it's like oh yeah 10 minutes like i can mm -hmm. spit this out when i'm finally on a 
on a tear. And that's when it comes from that deeper place where it's, it's what you really think or what you really feel, or that's been my experience. Right, right. And, the, and, the, and all of that time that you're spending not writing, uh, not creating, you're thinking about it. You're trying to, to consciously plan it out. And this is what uh, I, I've been reading uh, Ethan Cross's book, Chatter. Let me see. Something about what the, what the inner voice, how to harness it, etc. I don't remember the entire tagline. Sorry, Ethan. But one of the things he talks about is coming unlinked. And he was talking about, you know, like a pitcher that's uh, thrown a million pitches and da, da 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 and then suddenly one goes wrong, and then he's trying to figure out the mechanics and going through each step. And then it gets more wrong because he's focusing on the mechanics instead of just letting the the thing go. Doing it, right. Right. And so that happens to us a lot, too. We become unlinked from our brilliance. You know? And I that really resonated with me. Because there have been so many times where I've sit for hours just, you know, in the blank page and I'm looking at the cursor blanking and I'm just like, damn you. <laughs> you know, and, and then, it, it, as you say, when it hits, when the floodgates open, you're, you're gone. And that's always when you're not thinking about it. You know, it's, it's, it's that taking it away from it. Just to go a little bit woo, it's what I would call nirvana. The word in Sanskrit, nirvana, means to extinguish or blow out. So nirvana is nothing more than a state of extinguishing the self, the trying, the effort, and just letting it happen. Right, and the more you That's take why these things... action and practice, the more you yes. can do that. That is, it's like practice, practice. It's like, I mean, I was a dancer, you know, you, you do the dance a million times. And then when you do it on stage, you're, if you have to think about it, it's not going to work. <laughs> you just got to like go with it. You right. know, you got to like trust your body knows it now that you've done it so many times. Mm -hmm. um, I find the same thing with, with copywriting. Um, Absolutely. I watch, well, I don't watch, but I see Steve painting and he has a similar thing. Like he'll just be sitting there staring at this canvas for <laughs> hours i'm like what are you doing but it's like and then he finally goes up and like boop boop like puts a couple things on and he's like okay now it's done <laughs> like it's that same kind of you gotta i it's it's such a different process but you're a painter so that's why i'm saying it it's such a different process but i learn a lot by watching him do it because it's this this kind of letting it all um marinate and then taking some con he always calls them confidence strokes. Like uh -huh. it's about the confidence strokes. You know, when you're once you put the paint on the page on the canvas, you got to do it with confidence and then be okay when it's like, and then let it go or else you'll ruin the painting. I've watched him do that many times too. Uh, <laughs> and I, and I, but it's like such a great metaphor for all of this stuff because I, I try to do that same thing. Speaking, writing, all of that. It's that flow. It's Nirvana. That's what you're saying. Right. Coley, can you tell us about your book? Okay, so I wrote the first edition of the Avatar Immersion Method back in I think, March of 2018. It's nothing more and nothing less than going to where people are and listening to them to gather the clues that uh, that you need to weave into the copy. The same whole same thing that I talked about before. So if you want to save yourself eight bucks, that's pretty much what it's about. I do go into um, quite a bit greater detail, and the reason I'm releasing a second edition is one, the cover's ugly on the first edition. Two, it was under a hundred pages, so I couldn't release a print version. And three, I've learned a heck of a lot in the last uh, year and a half, or well, two years, or however long it's been. 
since I released that first edition. It's, you know, it's when I read back through it, I said, yes, this all makes sense. And I can't believe I didn't include this and that and this. And then I'm like, okay, I didn't know that two years ago. So it makes sense that that people can benefit from what I've learned since I released the first edition. Because I feel the same way about my book, and I don't really know how to do it. Like, are you? Did you go back through the whole book and make all the changes you wanted, and that's what you're going to re-release as a second edition, or did you just like add like a, another section, or how'd you do it? Oh no, <laughs> I went back through the whole it? thing. You know. made a whole new edited version. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. New examples. Right. Some of the examples uh, that I used in the original edition aren't quite as relevant in a coronavirus pandemic world now. Okay. So you know that's that's was one of the biggest things is just the shift in marketing that's happened since the the COVID pandemic hit. Gotcha. And when is it coming out? That is going to be on April first. Believe it or not, I like doing All things right. on April Fool's Day. It's my son's birthday. Is it? Two, April Fool's baby. Felt right. He's, 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 <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be three. Wow. Um okay, well then I won't forget that. I can't wait to see your new cover. I Me hope too. it's a lot more you. I hope it is too. I hope it is too. I'm not doing it so myself. I don't I don't design. I learned early on that that's not my skill set. I'm okay with that. Despite okay. having an art degree, I don't really know why. <laughs> It's <laughs> you think it would translate not necessarily but. the same thing. Not at all. You gotta yeah. learn all the pieces. Okay, very cool. And so Lee, where can where else can we find you? LeeRoley.com is probably the best place to start because I tend I've got links and you know, pitches and all that good stuff. And let's see. That also leads to the copywriting underworld. I'm Oh yeah. Yeah. Your and, weekly and newsletter. So, so any place else, anything else that I do, you can get there from there. Very cool. And to go to your website, I found that you share your name with a conservative party politician from the United Kingdom. Yeah, I That's do. Too bad. Uh, well, uh, you know, actually, the, the, that web that URL was not always mine. That little wanker actually had LeeRoley.com for a long time, and they let it lapse, and I snagged it. Oh, nice. And I got a very polite letter. You? I got a yeah. I get a very polite letter about it with email asking if I would relinquish it and I said no 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 I'm sorry <laughs> I just, you, you lost it finders keepers it's my name too so That's I don't awesome. know I think he's literally not net now I don't know. Gotcha. <laughs> anyway he still dominates the Google searches though and that just chaps my butt but we'll, yeah. we'll fix that someday yeah I don't have anything against the guy either I just you know. It just seems like kind of opposite of you in every way. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Although, yeah. although most people who do not, or who read uh, my content and then jump on a call with me, they usually say, I thought you were British. Oh, no, really? Yeah, I, it's, oh. I hear that all the time. I thought you were British. Eh, some dumb old hilljack from Ohio. <laughs> It's your use of sycophantically. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Only British people talk like that. Um, I love it. Okay, well, we'll link to all of that in the show notes, Lee. Fantastic. Um, it has been such a pleasure catching up with you. So excited for all of your uh, success and your and your new projects. I love your new projects. I'm excited to read the, the Zen Poppycock as well. 
Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to releasing it and seeing what uh, seeing what the haters have to say and the adorers too. That's bring them on. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. To read more of Lee's amazing copy and ideas and articles and to check out the Copywriting Underworld newsletter, go to leerowley.com, R-O-W-L-E-Y.com. I will link to it in the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who struggle to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. Hard work can only take you so far. It's how you show up in your business that really makes the difference. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Taking inspiration from Lee today, how about you go eavesdrop on some of your clients online and see if what they are talking about matches up with what you are talking about. Because it's those details, that specific language about that specific experience that your clients are thinking about that's going to get them to notice you and listen to you when you speak. These days, you can absolutely stalk people online and they won't even know it. So go check out what they're saying and see if it inspires you to create some great content or a great copy for your website that speaks to the heart of what your clients are thinking about. And that might just be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafeld. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 